scripture was saying the heart or coming into a season of prayer and fasting is to see the giants fall. And you've maybe no church experience at all, you will still ken about David against Goliath. You even hear people in the world still speaking about it. If you watch football, the FA Cup was just last week or a few weeks ago, you've got the big teams against the smart teams, and they think, well, and you hear commentators say, this is a David against Goliath scenario, and maybe the smart team will beat the big team. So I'm under no illusions that you will ken this story. And we're just going to never read through it at once. We'll just go through it bit by bit. But we are coming in to a season of prayer and fasting. We're excited about it, but we want to see giants fall and obliterated. We want to see it for your life, whatever you are facing that seems insurmountable against you. We want to see it in our neighborhood. We want to see it doing the road. We want to see it out as community. We want to see it in our nation. We want to see Goliaths fall. We want to see giants that come against the army of the living God. We want to see them obliterated in Jesus being glorified. So I'm just going to give you a few, if it would just said, aids or help for combat. Before we get into the big battle, there was a few battles going on before David came against Goliath. So I'm going to read 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. So this was up until now. It's amazing to think David had been, up until last point, he had already been anointed to be king. But he wasn't held the position of king until a while after. But as it happened, his rest of his family, his big brothers, went and fought in this battle, which was the Philistines on one side, there was a valley in the middle, and then the Israelites on the other side. But this was a winner-takes-all battle. Goliath says, right, instead of having a big mass of war, we'll have one for each team, and whoever wins, wins a hail battle. So if the Philistines was going to win, the Israelites was going to be slaves to the Philistines, and if the Israelites won, the Philistines was going to be slaves to the Israelites. A winner-takes-all battle, one against one. A bit like a wrestling ring. If you were brought up in the 80s, you came for wrestling as Ah Boot, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. It was one against one. Champion was going to take the belt. And in a, another sense, this is for Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't expect us to fight a battle against the enemy. It was a winner-takes-all fight. As soon as Jesus came to earth, if he had lost and he had sinned, there would be no hope for humanity. But he conquered the devil. He fought him in the wilderness. He became and was always sinless and spotless. And so we have a hope the day that Jesus is our ultimate champion. But this was a taunt to the enemy. And maybe you've been taunted in your life. And maybe you're here this morning and there's taunts going on in your life for a giant, an enemy, for darkness, for demons. And this was a taunt of Goliath. He stood and shouted a taunt. It's not good to be taunted, is it? Was only ever taunted at school or growing up? It's not good to be made of feel or to make you feel smart. Why are you all coming out to fight? I am the Philistine champion. Denton, Den. He is the ultimate warrior. He is Hulk Hogan. But you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here 
and fight me. The first battle, the mini battle before the big battle, is this fact versus the truth. And it reminds me is the scouts, they scouted out Canaan, the promised land, and they came back, and 10 out of the 12 say, they're too big. We're being subdued by fear, and we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. The fact versus the truth. This was Goliath telling a whole nation simply a fact. The fact was that they were servants, a soul. That was a fact. But wasn't it the truth? And sometimes we just look at the fact of the matter when Jesus wants us to look at the truth. So if it's a difference between facts and truth, because the fact was Goliath rightly said, you are servants of soul. But if it was the truth, the truth was they were God's people, that they were designed to be conquerors. They were designed to be champions, that God had ordained the Israeli nation, the Jewish nation, to show the surrounding nations what a powerful God Yahweh was. That was the truth. But fear came in to a whole nation because Goliath's taunt was, this is all you are. You are just a servant or soul. And a whole nation forgot the truth and thought, he's right. As we are as servants or soul, we're nothing. We're not really much. Because facts have nothing to do with faith and truth. And so often we can look at the facts and it breeds fear in our lives. Sometimes we can be saved and we think it's because we didn't feel saved that that's the fact. I've been saved since 2002. But sometimes along that journey, especially early on, I didn't feel saved. Nobody ever never felt saved before? And you think, I didn't feel saved, so it must be a fact that I'm not saved. As I am, as a servant of soul, and you get scared and think, if Jesus comes back, I'm obliterated. I'm going to lost eternity. But the truth is, is he will never leave us nor forsake us. The truth is when Jesus says, it is finished, it was finished. The truth is as soon as you confess your need of him that he becomes your savior forevermore. But sometimes the facts and how we feel overrides the truth. And us, Goliath at the D was said, just look at the facts without faith. Sometimes I feel and have felt that I have got a purpose in life. That I might be saved, that I might come to church, even be a leader. But sometimes in a down moment, in a moment of discouragement, you think, as far as my role within us, far as the purpose, and you look at other people and you see them living lives of purpose, and you just look at the fact and how you feel and think, ah, 
far as my purpose. And Goliath is taunting you and saying, you're just a son, you're just a servant, a soul. But then we've got to remind ourselves that the truth is that He has a plan, that He has a purpose for our lives. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed in the battle and we feel like losers and Goliath turns up and says, checks you out. You're supposed to be better. You're supposed to be righteous. You're supposed to be holy. And look at you. You have sinned. You've fallen short of the glory of God. How can you call yourself a Christian? You had that thought. You should have captured it. You had that behavior pattern. You should have conquered it. And Goliath comes and taunts you and says, you're just a loser. Your mom says you're a loser. Your dad, you've always been a loser. Your teachers and your report cards written you off as a loser. You're just a son of soul. You're just a servant. But people, we need to get the truth of God running through our veins. That's not just that I am. I am a child of the Most High God. I've been set free. For the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And He has clothed me in righteousness. And like the prodigal son coming back time and time again, every time I walk towards Him, He's running towards me to embrace me, to put on that cloak of righteousness, to put a ring of royalty on my finger, to kill the fatted calf and have a celebration because the son that was lost has now returned. The one that is far off is now close. And this is why the Word of God is so important, because if you stop reading this, you will go in fact that did not require no faith. And you will start believing the taunt of the enemy, and Goliath will confront you if you get an opportunity to, and you're going to start feeling really insignificant, really smart, and really lacking purpose, and they saved. This is why when Ezekiel ate this, first of all, it was bitter, then it tasted so sweet. It sometimes a hard read, but it's a necessary read. As I was reading this yesterday, as I got my gift to a new Bible, I thought, ah, it's time to read, 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 read. And then I went in my bed full. I'd hit a Chinese, or maybe it was that, but you get full of vision and think, I wonder if God's going to do in the next week, in the coming months, let's start believing again for miracles. And then if I hadn't read the Word of God, I would have just went on the fact of the matter and how I was feeling. We cannot believe facts and feelings. This is a life not filled with facts and feelings. This is a life that is on offer. It's a life of truth and a life of faith. And it's going to make you look ridiculous, but it's going to feed you. Maybe you're struggling to read the Bible, get a new translation, but somehow in some way, you need to get your eyes on this, and He will reveal Himself through the Word of God to you. And we pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be upon you as you read this. Get you a new devotional. Start journaling again, because only reading us, we didn't read us to get wise and uh, just think we're better. And we didn't read this to get the facts and for us to feel good. We read this precious word of God, and God says, I will exalt my word above all things, so we should do it as well. We do this because it's our sustenance, it's our manna, It'll feed us spiritually full. And I heard a cracking quote because most people 
would struggle to read the Word of God and remember fit the red. And mine, Bill Johnson, said, but that's okay. He says, you didn't need to remember fit your head for breakfast yesterday. But I do can this. When I had my breakfast, it fed me. And so you don't need to, you just need to read it. You don't need to, if you read the first 17 chapters of First Samuel in day one, if I ask you questions about it day two, if it happened in the first five chapters, if it happened in the second five chapters, if it happened in the seven chapters after that, you didn't really need to explain everybody and every name and if it happened and who said what. But you do ken this. If you was reading it through the Holy Spirit, it was feeding you. And it was taking you a while a life of facts, a while a life of just feelings, and then a life of truth, and then a life of faith. The first battle, because we were going to see David jump on the scene, but a whole nation was given out of the spirit of fear by this guy that was just shouting at him a fact. But then we're going to hear this young dude going to jump on the scene. And he's going to ignore that fact and go for the truth. Number two, that this was an important aim considering we're going to end a time, a week of prayer and fasting. It's surrender in the flesh and surrender in the spirit. Surrender in the flesh versus surrender in the spirit. Let me explain. Verse 14. Doesn't it really look like a significant verse in the Bible, but it was significant when I was reading it. It says, David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. One day, a younger sibling here. You're the youngest. Uh, you didn't go to play either, did you? Not so much as your big brothers and sisters. That always used to annoy me because big brother, he always used to go to play later than me. I had to be in when the lights came on outside. That's still a thing. He got an extra hour because he was two years older than me. And he got to do his first before I got to do my first. And so this was David's, David was the youngest guy. And his big brothers got to play. They got to fight. But he, well, he had to watch the sheep. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Try and approach this with a bit of wisdom. Surrender in the flesh versus surrender in the spirit. Recognize the season of life that you're in. If you're not retired yet, do not pretend to be. There was going to be a day in David's life that he was supposed to be in battle. It was his job as the king to go to battle. There's got to be a season that he didn't have to look after the sheep. That would be somebody else's job. If he didn't go to battle, he ended up in a mess. But that wasn't the season he was in as a young loon. As a young loon, he had to look after his father's sheep. And later on, when it says that he went to face Goliath, he says he had to leave his sheep in charge with somebody else, hired hands. So if it's a point in that, as we approach a week of prayer and fasting, you have to recognize the season you're at in life. You cannot just walk away for the sheep if the season that you're in in your life is people depend on you. Because one of the greatest mistakes that we can make in a charged up 
season of prayer and fasting is for me to say to you, it doesn't matter how far you're at in life. It doesn't matter how far it depends on you. It doesn't matter your other responsibilities. God, he is number one. And I expect you to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning, regardless if you're supposed to start your work at 7 o'clock in the morning. You got on and sick because you're supposed to be at the prayer meeting and your God is number one. It doesn't matter that you've got kids that need fed. It doesn't matter if you've got other responsibilities from evening prayer meetings and work, boots on the ground. You should be there because God is number one. And God is bigger than your friends, He's bigger than your family, and He's bigger than your boss. That would be surrendering in the flesh to think that David was supposed to discard his father's sheep and only go to battle. But David was a good shepherd, and he discerned the season of his life that was in was this. I'll go and give him a packed lunch, and I'll go back, but I need to make sure that the sheep are looked after. So I'm going to excuse you that if you kind of manage to come because you've got other responsibilities that you need to attend to, then that's okay. There might be a day in your life that you have less responsibilities so you can approach a week of prayer and fasting like a true battle and say, I'm going to be everything. I sign up for the light too, so I'm going to be at the worship thing. I'm going to be at the family thing. I'm going to be at the early morning prayer meetings. If you're at that season in your life, then you go for it, charged up with the Holy Spirit and embrace it for everything that God will do through your life. But you're maybe sitting and you're looking to the stuff that's planned and you're thinking, hold on, that is great. But I'm not sure if I can navigate all that in my life. It's surrender in the flesh versus surrender in the spirit. David knew he still had to look after sheep. The call for here isn't it for you to leave your house and leave your kids that the maximum age is six on their own to be here. There may be a day for that, but it's not now. We're now asking you to phone up your boss and say that you're not coming into work today. Please, did I? Because didn't I pull a sickie because you need to be at the prayer meeting. There'll be a season. Praise Jesus, it's maybe coming upon us. Is this going? There'll be a season that you'll maybe be able to attend our thing. But let's now approach us in the flesh and ignore all the other responsibilities that God has given us. Again, that life is about juggling stuff. Life is about juggling in one hand God, and He is Lord over all, and He's a master of your life. But at the same time, you're juggling family life, whether it be parents, brothers, sisters, kids. So it's not but some of us are juggling family life as well as employment life, as well as, what else do we need? A bit of social time, is that okay? As Christians, to have social time, is that okay with you? (laughs) 
It's okay, isn't it? So you've got to have a bit of you time with some friends. You've got to have some relaxation time for you. You're never having a social. You're never in church ministry. You're never serving. You're just having a bit of you time. And all this is up in the air. And if you do ah or one thing, if it happens, it just goes completely out of sync if you just work your whole life but have never made the attempt to have social life for some new time, if it's of all you and that, you're going to burn out, you're going to be moody, nobody really cares you because you've spent all your life working, you've now opened up your life, you've never had a house church, you've never been vulnerable with Omdi. So you can't do that. It's never for your benefit. How about if you've spent all your time just being a social, a socialite? It sounds fun, doesn't it? Lord, I'm on edge, just kind of about being social with people like that. But if it's all that life is, and if you're having to put your hand on things and improve this world, it's just not right either. So we have got to, at the same time, juggling in. I've said all that to say this. You've got to recognize the season you are in before you approach a week of prayer and fasting. So I'm releasing you to attend I'm also releasing you to hear the discernment of, I would love to, husband's offshore, got kids to get ready, just, I'm just not going to be here as much as I would like to. Is that okay? You got, we must so far. That'd be desperate to leave your field. David was anointed to be king, and he can't eat a responsibility with the sheep as well as he wanted to go to battle with the side of his big brother's. But he didn't walk away from his responsibility to go to battle. He managed to navigate all things. Okay. So then it goes on. For verse 17, it continues. I'll never read it off for a sec or time. David turns up and he's like, Fitz, going on? He's just turned up with a sandwich. And his brothers, sort of his brothers, do sort of ignore that he's there, and he's like, fat are you doing here? And he starts overhearing conversations. He hears that there's a battle going on. And he hears that there's a reward for killing this Goliath. The reward is marrying a princess, daughter of the king, so you'll have a woman, you'll have power, and no taxes. You'll never have to pay any taxes ever again. Does that sound good? So David turns up and there's this reward for doing something. He's not too sure if they're doing something is yet. He just counts. A princess awaits for the winner, which means power as well. And they're paying taxes. Imagine, man, you just turn up and it's a reward for something. Meghan Markle, uh, well, she's maybe not a princess now, I'm not sure, but that is the reward. Of course, she resigns. And power. And money, things that a young guy, okay. She says, fit is, fit's to be done. And they say, as he needs to do is this Goliath. One person needs to knock him out. And David says, hold on. Tell me again, fit is the reward. And then they tell him the reward. He says, wow, ah, that reward for doing this and this Philistine comes against the armies of the living God. 
So David goes to his brothers for a cairns. And he has a conversation with them. And his brothers, Div, they sort of put you in your place easily. And David's like, look, if I done now, I was only asking a question, verse 29. And then David says, no, I have seen victory when I have protected the sheep. I have seen God overcome the bears and the lions. I'm going to knock this guy out in pure Glaswegian accent. I'm going to knock him out. How dare he defile the army of the living God? The whole nation was trembling with fear, being taunted, but this is a guy with truth running through his veins. This is a guy with faith, knowing that God has called them to be, knowing that being an Israelite, a Jewish man, that the people in Goliath that was coming against him must be defeated. He had seen God work in the fields privately, and now it was time to see God work publicly. And then Saul says, nah, you're too young. But there was neither solution, there was neither answer. And it says that Saul finally consented, all right, may the Lord be with you. In verse 38, the other battle before the final battle, many of you have heard this before, but going is you versus going is someone else. The Lord be with you. Verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such a thing before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. David refused to have somebody else's armor put on him, even though that armor worked for Saul. It wasn't the answer for the battle that David was going to face. And often in life, we try and use other folks' armor and other people put their very well-meaning, well-intended stuff on us. But I find great liberation in this being me is one of the greatest freedoms. And even this morning, one of my biggest stresses on Sunday morning, it shouldn't have been my biggest stresses, but it's okay to be honest. A little uh, insight into the life of a pastor is, sorry, Isabel, now I embarrass you. It's fit to wear on a Sunday morning. Somebody else think, what are we on Sunday morning? The worship team's probably thinking the same because she's on stage up there, looks like, yeah, you can. And so this morning, it was, oh, yeah, you can. So that's the fact I did. I tried on my suit jacket. Mindful, I used to find that suit jacket. And the demon or the Christmas pudding has really knocked me <laughs> and seduced me over the festive period. And so I put on this suit jacket and I was astounded. I was thinking, is that really the same suit jacket I used to wear? 
It's like it's like it's just made for a midget, right? A dwarf. It's like a meter to, between it closing. I thought, oh, no, and my sham, sorry, I'm just growing, I think. And, and then I thought, well, football, are we are. I thought, oh, it's a beauty because I'm speaking on being dressed and fits comfortable, comfortable are we are. And I might be a day after I lose a few pounds, which I will do, they'll find out again. But until then, I thought I'm just going to wear fits comfortable. Because I don't want to be up here being self-conscious or I wonder if I'm just looking thinking, oh, he's really born to beef. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to give the impression that I'm really skinny and trying to find something that I'm not made for these days. So the last thing you want to do when you face a battle and when you're preaching is to be self-conscious and not be comfortable. I think what's great about this place is you can be comfortable with you. And it doesn't matter. And this isn't a knock at people that wear suits on Sundays because that would be an easy thing to try and, okay, and look at us with a deer. But I want to say as well, you're free to deer if you're comfortable doing that. And you could wear jeans all through the week. But if Sunday you feel so, I'm really fine in a suit and it's a Lord's day. And this is how I'm going to come in. Fair play. You are being you. But if you think, well, hold on, I'm a bit like Kevin in my cool clothes, my smart clothes, I'm not fitting into these days, or maybe it's nay that you just like coming wherever you wear. Then that's okay as well, isn't it? Because it's not about one or the either, it's about being you and being you in Jesus and being comfortable with you and being okay with you. And finding freedom to be you. And you don't need to compare yourself to soul that won battles. We are this armor on. Because that's near you. And I want to thank the generation in this church that came before us. Because you've gave us young guns a lot of freedom to make changes. And this doesn't happen our way, I can't. For a fact, but the people, I've never really kent how to address the people that started the church. I feel as if Achaia's forefathers, like it's, it's like Abraham, and they built the boat and they arrived here and I bought this morning because they're like the forefathers of the church. I don't really want to call you all either. You're saying I'll get offended. But I want to honor the generation that started the fellowship, that has seen many changes, and I've, I think it's our seventh year, we've made changes, and a year, I was 30 once, and that's a lot of responsibility as a 30-year-old, and I'm sure the folk that started the meeting were like, he's just a young guy. And they sure are the changes some big changes. Mind the gospel meeting. Six o'clock gospel meeting. But we changed it to house churches for discipleship to see people be transparent and build relationship 
to work through the Word of God together, to get that intimate friendships that every believer needs. And we got nothing but support for the people that started the six o'clock service. And that doesn't happen our way. Can we just put our hands together to the folk that allowed us to change so easily? Because it's important and there's been other changes, but as we have received is support, support, support. Some of them could have put blockages and barricades and said, no, you're not doing that. You're not start. I was, I was with us that started that, and it was our team that did it, and we just need to keep trying it, even though you don't like it. I mind getting a letter, a card. Nobody's going to want my assess, but card for Chris Patterson. When we went through the change, just saying, we're we you. Thank God for you. We'll support you, and we think you're doing the right thing. And can something? Sometimes that's all you need, isn't it? And you think, am I doing the right thing? Has it got a far flat in its face? Right motives, wrong thing. But support, 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 support. We've changed so much. And thank you for the freedom to be us. And so this was King David. This was David anointed to be king. He says, I cannot go in your armor. I must go as me. It says, verse 40, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream. This is time, people, to get in the river. The things that we are facing as a people, as a nation, we need to get in the river of God. We need to be found in his river. This is far we will get the answers. He dipped into this stream. He dipped into the river and Tinu, there's five smooth stones, knowing that you only really need one. But he was determined to go into the overflow, the five. It's good to have more than enough in your armor to defeat Goliath. And then it says this, verse 41, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, We've had all this battles. This was the biggest thing. This is just little David facing a Goliath. And maybe you're here this morning and you are facing something that is so big. David replied, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. David just didn't see Goliath as an enemy to the Jewish people. He's seen this Goliath as an enemy to God. And we need to see as we do life in this community and as our family that the Goliaths we face, not just our enemy, but it's defying God. This God that is mighty, that is love, that is peace, that is healer, that heals broken hearted. We need to come with this. You're maybe coming at me with some stuff. 
But you are defying this mighty God. Fuck ends, we are in a spiritual battle. Fuck ends, there's darkness through air. And well, maybe they speak about us enough, that's enough, because we're trying to strategize. Fuck ends that the battle is against light and dark. It is against angels and demons. It's against Jesus and the devil. It's against us in the flesh, us in the world. Defying the army of the living God. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Gruesome. And then I will give the bo dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is God in Israel. Oh, this has got to be a public testimony. God is after His glory. A lot of things He likes to share with you. He shares with you His love, His peace, His joy, His purpose, His grace, His mercy, His judgment, His justice. He shares it with His people. One thing that He will never share with His people. I will not share my glory with anyone. As we approach a week of prayer and fast and realize this, that we are not doing this to glorify ourselves. We're not doing this so that Elam will be the best non-denomination in the broch in the nation. We are doing this to glorify God. We have had enough of darkness. The giants must fall. We've enough or gone by facts. We've had enough or gone by just for the doctors are saying. We want to see the giants fall in Jesus to be glorified. Above all, he can do it. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with sword and spear. And we heard this last week. This is the Lord's battle, and He will give you to us. And then I'll end with us, if I could get the worship band back up. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David charged out to meet him. Are you ready for a charge, people? It's a faith charge. Are you ready? Do you think it's time we charge? We've got through some battles this morning. There's maybe more that's never mentioned. You've got to get through all that stuff. You've got to be comfortable in your cell. Realize that season you're in. Stop listening to the voice of the enemy that might be factual but it's not truth. It's time to get in the Word of God. Get in the river far as stones are. It says, as Goliath walked, because he thought this battle was going to be easy, he was full of himself. He's a picture of pride. It says that David, just armed with a sling and five stones, but just one he was ever going to use, he made a run towards being in the world, encountering God in the field, and now it was ready to glorify God so that the whole world would see that there was a God in Israel that is saved. His name is Savior. Are you ready? To charge. I believe the final tip that I can give you is now recognizing the giant that's before you, because that giant needs to fall, but realizing the giant that is within you. And if we approach this week of prayer and fasting, we want to see darkness tumble. We 
need to realize that God has put within us and it's greater than it's fit is before us. That we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and this lion of the tribe of Judah is greater than Oni Goliath. Maybe we are just here, we are slinging a stone, but if God is for you people, come on, if Jesus is for you, if it can be against you, it doesn't matter if it's coming against you, the anxieties, the circumstance, if God is for you and you've just got a sling and a stone and you can't fire, you are, you are ready to charge. Goliaths, giants must fall. Now I pray as we embark on this week, we embark on it knowing who we are, being comfortable of fire. God has called us to be ready to do warfare, ready to engage, ready to charge, knowing that we have the line of the tribe of Judah with us, and he is bursting to get out. And I'm going to ask us just to stand and mark a declaration before God. The enemy maybe thinks he has won our, your life. He maybe thinks he's won our, this community. If I would agree, it's now or yet. That we want to see this community changed by the glory of God. We want to see people saved and set free. We want to see restoration and hope for there seems to be no restoration and hope. People, it's time to make a spiritual charge. It's time to get on board for God is doing in our midst. It's time to lay down the things we need to lay down. It's time to discard the things we need to discard. It's time to have a time out and withdraw for the things that are taking up just too much of our time, but they're making a difference. It's time to get eager for the things of the Holy Ghost. It's time to believe again for revival. It's time to believe again that people can be made well in the presence of Jesus. It's time to believe again that the prophetic world, our Scotland, will be fulfilled in our day, and you have your part to play in it. And it's about you being you in the power of the Most High God and marking a run for it. Get ready to charge. The giants must fall. And it says that he swung that sling and defeated Goliath and took Goliath's sword. To make sure there wasn't a resurrection, he cut off his head. Very gruesome. And then he journeyed to Jerusalem with Goliath's head and his hands. And this head that used to torment a hell nation was now a testimony of what God could do through a little boy that nobody else thought was ready. And we are praying for a day that the things that torment us and come against the living God, we would see demolished in the name of Jesus. And there's still stories to be written. 
There's still miracles to happen. There's still people to be saved that will walk through and testify that Goliath has fallen, that the giant has fallen. There's people that are struggling in here. And God will show Himself victory through your life. And now you will hear a testimony of saying, hey, the thing that used to taunt me, Jesus gave me the victory over. The thing that used to come against me, Jesus gave me the victory over because he is a mighty God. And that head that used to come against you will be a display that Christ is an awesome Savior. Let's align ourselves to charge. We've got to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you just for this moment in this song, just to raise the roof as a declaration or a war cry, it is time to charge. That the giants must fall and they're never going to fall through a simple strategy in the world. They're going to fall when the church decides to charge. He is the hope of the nations. I plead you. I plead with you this morning. Let's make a charge right now. No matter how you are or how you're dressed, five came here with, and we're going to make a spiritual run for it and see the enemy defeated. You're maybe used to running in the opposite direction. Let's gain spiritual ground this morning. Let's sing this prayer song. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Christ, as we stand in your presence, we feel like David, people of little reputation, but we thank you that you've anointed us for sonship. God, we silence the voice of the enemy that comes against us, that tells us that we're only this, we're only this, we're only that. You have prepared for us good works in Christ Jesus before we was even born. Before you were conceived, he knew you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. You are not an accident or mistake. You are here by divine design. And God, we come against that voice of the enemy in the wonderful, awesome name of Jesus. God, we declare that enough is enough that the giants would fall in this place. For everyone that has gone through a season of trial and the things that are coming against them are overwhelming them. We come against them in the name of Jesus. We declare a day of freedom. We declare a day of victory and fruitfulness and success for Jesus. We raise a victory shout of praise and adoration. We thank you, Jesus, that it's not us that's a champion. That's you that's a champion. Let's raise our voices. Let's lift our voices. Let's lift our hands and praise and worship before we even start singing. Let's mark a charge. You're maybe not used to this. You're maybe starting to feel a bit uncomfortable. But we are desperate to see a move of God. We are desperate to see the glory of Jesus Christ. We are a desperate people. We have witnessed too many families destroyed. We've witnessed too 
many people go to an early grave. We've met, witnessed too many people that are bound and broken. We've seen too many people go to faith. seems like a lost eternity forevermore. And we are saying the days we embark on a week of prayer and fast, and we are starting it, we are charged in heavenly places. We thank you that the armies of the living God are for us. Do you realize there's multitudes and multitudes of angels? Hallelujah. In Hebrews it says that angels are servants to the sons that are about to inherit salvation. We have angelic beings at our disposal. God, open up our eyes to fit us for us in heavenly places. That we'd have fight this fight alone and destitute in isolation. We fight it as part of the body of Christ with the anointing of the Holy Ghost running through us, the lion of the tribe of Judah that is desperate and desperate and desperate for his church to be desperate. And he is desperate to roar through his people. He is desperate for the giants to fall. He is desperate for the darkness to go, but he will only do it through a desperate people. The time of weariness is gone in Jesus' name. The time of twiddling our thumbs is gone in Jesus' name. This is the time to set our eyes upon heavenly places, to fix our eyes upon Jesus in advance in heavenly things. Let's continue to raise our voices in power, declaring like a war cry that we are coming, that we are coming, and we are coming in the name of Jesus.